Hi, I'm Tamara Rodney, and you're listening to On The Pulse, a podcast from the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. On this podcast, we take a deep dive into the experiences of frontline providers and researchers. We explore their insights and invaluable stories of how healthcare works in today's world. Our guests today include Dr. Rita Douse, Associate Professor and Associate Dean for Teaching and Learning at the Johns Hopkins University School of Nursing. She also holds a joint appointment in the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, Department of General Internal Medicine. And Alicia Gill Rossiter, Associate Professor and Chief Officer of Military and Veteran Affairs at the University of South Florida. Dr. Rossiter is also retired Lieutenant Colonel of the United States Air Force Reserve Nurse Corps. Thank you both for being here today as new co-editors of the book entitled Caring for Veterans and Their Families, A Guide for Nurses and Healthcare Professionals. Thanks so much for the invitation, Tamar. Uh, we greatly appreciate you taking the time to uh, uh, interview us and talk to us today about our new book. Um, like Rita, uh, I'm thrilled uh, to have the opportunity to talk to you today about military and veteran health and the impact on our veteran population. Uh, this is definitely a passion of ours and has been really the focus of our work that we have collaborated on for about the past 10 years together. Yes, thank you, Alicia. Um, Alicia and I uh, started working initially um, because of a shared interest and background as Alicia is an active duty service member and also as uh, serving in the Reserve Corps and myself as a family member, but also both of us as providers. And so from my earliest days as a nurse practitioner, uh, caring for individuals who would have these uh, health conditions or transitory employment and other pieces and trying to see the pattern. But also as a family member and the impact of military service for my husband, a Vietnam veteran with two tours and what that um, serve, that impact of that service has been on his health as um, we move forward. And then um, as actually um, my son-in-law as an active duty service, it really began as what we found out, which is you can serve and you have one view. You can be a provider have a different, you can serve within the veteran affairs or the VHA and have a different, but there is a, you need one that can really connect the three because it's like a three-legged stool, one without understanding the other three. It's difficult to adequately care for veterans and their families across the different sectors. Can I extend that to a multiple-legged stool because you're bringing multiple different perspectives? And I want to just highlight again, um, one of the reasons we're talking today is about veterans' health, but more excitingly, you're both co-authors on your new book. So can we start off by just giving me a brief overview of the book and why did you want to write this book? So one of the pieces as we started this book was uh, together our combined roles is either the active duty service member, the, the family member, the provider, and then is the educator. And as we first started 10 years ago, was um, looking at a course for introduction to military and veteran care. Both of us 
um, at the time were um, in the a state, in the state of Florida, where the third highest number of veterans. As you think about where that care is provided or what you ought to know, it was vaguely understood. And at the time we had a, a partnership with the VA Nursing Academy that I served as co-director and then later called the, the VANUP. And Alicia joined us and we really started thinking about, well, what should folks know? So you think if you're a nurse at the VA, right? You know about veteran care. Alicia, I'll tell you, that's not what she found as she developed this course. So it was the introduction to veteran healthcare. And so they might know about how to care for somebody who has heart failure or diabetes, but they weren't sure about how they got that as a result of their service. So the uh, course gave the way to a program, which was uh, the Veteran uh, Bachelor of Science or the VCARE program that Alicia continues to serve. So we received a federal grant to launch that program and uh, initially I served as the PI and then subsequently Alicia when I joined Hopkins. Um, but what we really found was that the barriers that um, service members face in transitioning to uh, the civilian sector. So as we think about that book, that book is understanding four major sections, understanding military culture and what that service and what that culture is like. We had then look at what are the physical wounds and those may be apparent, they may not be apparent. They may be apparent immediately or they be, be more latent over time. What are the invisible wounds, which are the psychosocial or the psych mental health components to it. Included in those are some of the gender specific. But then the fourth one is the impact of service then on family members, whether it's spouses, whether it's children, and as I mentioned, the gender specific. But more than anything, you have to ask the question first. Well, that sounds like a, a remarkable journey and very comprehensive as well. So Alicia, it's very comprehensive and Rita touched on some of the pieces that are in there. How did you decide what content was more important to include? So I really think we were trying to fill a gap, um, a knowledge uh, gap with the, within the provider. So really this book is a tool for healthcare providers uh, to use as a guide as they care for service members, veterans, and their family. Um, we know that there is a, a gap in knowledge and training uh, that most healthcare providers receive during their education in regards to caring for this patient population. There's also a misconception that veterans receive their care in the VA and that's uh, that all veterans receive their care in the VA, and that's simply not true. So we knew that prior to the passage of the Choice Act in 2014 and the Mission Act in 2018, upwards to about 75% of veterans were receiving their care in the civilian sector. And since the passage of both of those acts, uh, that has opened the door for many, many more veterans to be seen in the civilian sector. So if you're caring for patients, you will care for veterans and their family members, and you will probably most likely be unaware of their military affiliation. There's actually several studies that show that many providers lack that knowledge and comfort level to adequately screen for service-connected physical and psychological health issues, 
treat those conditions, and then refer those patients as needed to somewhere either within the VA or to another organization, the civilian sector, like a veteran service organization. And really this puts our veteran patients in a very vulnerable position in regards to their care as well as their health outcomes. So just like any other vulnerable population that we care for, it is really important that we are educated to meet the needs of those who have served and really be able to provide that culturally competent care. And as Rita said, it really does start with identification, asking that question, have you ever served? But also, do you have a spouse or another family member that has served in the military? So that we can also address those health issues that could be um, related to spousal or parental military service. As Rita also alluded to about asking the question, the last chapter in the book really highlights the American Academy of Nursing Have You Ever Served pocket card that really helps the provider with identifying uh, who veterans are, as well as screening for service-connected health issues, um, as and additional screenings for military sexual trauma, suicide, and homelessness. And we know that these are all priority issues within the VA and the Department of Defense and oftentimes are, are not addressed or discussed when uh, providers are seeing our veteran patients. One of the pieces I'd like to add to Mark is that as we approached the book and the writing, and we identified what we felt were the competencies in the outline, and then worked with Jones and Bartlett. You know, the first couple of, uh, you know, uh, publishers we worked with, we got the, oh, that's wonderful, and no response. And then Joan Bartlett said, can you send us a draft outline of the chapters and the other pieces? And it's not just the topics, but it's what we wanted is a, uh, an approach within each chapter. So we did. We heard back, they sent it to 27 external expert reviewers. And every single one of them, the vast majority, I would say 90% said highly recommend and the other 10 said recommend. In fact, they came back and said, by the way, can you add these other areas? And so unbeknownst to us, these 27 expert reviewers from all walks came back and said, this is critically important. And so that approach we've used in our chapters about what is the uh, impact of the service? What is that area that health need. I don't always want to say condition, um, but then what are the treatments? What are the resources? And then even where do you find out if it's not already a documented service, a connected disability, how would you do it? And who is that veteran who applies? And so every single chapter we looked at and the citations and the resources to help professionals, providers, family members. This sounds a labor of love for sure, but there, the overarching strength I'm getting from here is that you both have very strong military connections. And can you just both just briefly share how did that shape, how did your personal background and connection with the military shape you? And what role did that play in you wanting to write this book? So I, I am a service member, I actually retired. I retired in 2015. I actually come from a multi-generational military family. My grandfather served in World War II. I didn't even know that he had a Purple Heart until after he passed away. And I actually found it in a trunk somewhere. 
Um, my dad, uncles all served during the Vietnam time frame. Um, and I remember hearing the stories about them being told to take their uniform off uh, when they returned home. Um, I fast forward, I served in a uh, desert storm. And then I have a brother who served in Operation Enduring uh, Freedom. So I come from that military background. I served on active duty uh, for four years in the United States Army Nurse Corps, and then another 20 years in the Air Force Reserve Nurse Corps. Um, and that really has, you know, has shaped uh, why this is so important for me, because it is personal. During my career, I had the opportunity to serve for wounded warriors on the battlefield, as well in the, as in military treatment facilities. I'm also a pediatric nurse practitioner, so I've cared for military-connected children, um, both in military treatment facilities, as well as when I was a school-based nurse practitioner in Hillsborough County um, in schools that sat right off McDill Air Force Base, which is home of CENTCOM and SOCOM, so high-op-tempo bases. Um, and I had the honor of educating the next generation of nurses and advanced practice nurses, both at USF um, in our veteran to BSM program, and then when I was assigned to the Uniformed Services University of the Health Science, which is the Graduate School of Nursing up in Washington, DC. Um, and it was such an honor to be able to ensure that those who were going to care for those who served in harm's way really have that knowledge and expertise and education, as well as the tools that they need to provide that, that the best possible care for our veteran patients. Probably the light bulb moment for me um, was reading an article in JAMA uh, entitled The Unasked Question. Uh, the author talks about his military service during Vietnam and how, you know, fast forward probably 30 plus years, he's a physician, was a physician that in that time frame, no healthcare provider had ever asked him if he had served in the military. So asking that one important question that we, all, we always talk about, have you ever served? And after reading that article, I remember thinking that no one had ever asked me that either. And what if they had? How would that have changed my health outcomes, my physical and psychological health outcomes? What would I have told that provider had they asked me? And how, you know, once again, how could that information um, change my service-connected health outcomes? So I know that if I was thinking this, that there are probably other veterans thinking this and wondering, you know, how could, you know, this the knowledge of this provider or their provider, you know, help impact their health and positively. We really wanted this to be a tool for providers to provide that veteran-centric healthcare aimed at addressing care before, during, and after transition to really help mitigate the gaps in supports and services. Well, thank you, Misha. And Rita, how about you? My grandfather actually served in World War I, even though he was illiterate and had very limited English language. Um, but he did that so he could obtain U.S. citizenship. My husband, I did not know he had medals from Vietnam, and he would not talk about it because those were things, as Alicia talked about, he took his uniform off because he was spat upon when he returned, and he did not think about the impact of service on him. And so for me, one of the pieces that happened as our firstborn was diagnosed with a very rare type of uh, leukemia, a, a acute myelogenous leukemia at seven months of age, which at the time they started looking at if that was due to the impact of Agent Orange on service member with their uh, uh, offspring. And it really started having me look at, well, what else is there? 
and it turned out he was uh, under daily doses of Agent Orange because of his type of service or the refractory hypertension. And you start looking at things in a different light. But then subsequent to that um, was the reticence about, no, leave it for the boys who need it. And that was his term. So I understand the gender that it was used or even my son-in-law as an officer was that, no, we know what we're getting into. We're compensated well. This is what we signed up for and that you don't deserve to have some of these pieces. But through the Vanna Academy, the VA Nursing Academy, I realized that there were many things that biases and lenses that each one held, both on the civilian sector and the VA sector, but also as educators and professionals. The Jonas Academy or the Jonas Foundation uh, through Mr. and Mrs. Jonas actually started to invest in nursing and in particular in veteran care. And so through the mentorship that I've had the opportunity to provide across two institutions is really trying to have leaders. So what happened? Well, Alicia actually was my first um, scholar. Um, I had the opportunity to work with and realizing what we could do if we start to really mentor leaders. So those pieces collectively really compelled me to say, how do we build education programs? How do we start looking at training programs and resources? And how do we start looking at advocacy and policy in very different ways than what can be? So as a family member, as an educator, as a provider, it all came together and to say, let's put all of these legs on that stool together. I, just listening to you, I can't think of a better combination to be the authors of this book. And as a country, um, we take a moment in November to recognize um, military and families as an the Appreciation Month of military and military family members. And I, apart from all the challenges that we have written in the book and ways to address them, what would you say are the biggest challenges facing our veterans today? I think one of the biggest challenges is transition. Um, when you think about transitioning from military service and back into the civilian life, uh, whether you have served for four years or 30, it can be very difficult for our veteran population. And regardless of how long you served um, or when or where you served, no one ever really leaves the military unchanged. In many ways, when you transition out of the military, you lose that sense of community and purpose. And it can also be, often be difficult to find that in the civilian sector. Your healthcare resources change, as do many of the services that you're familiar with while you're serving on active duty or in the Reserve or National Guard. And what most people don't know is just because you've served in the military does not mean that you are eligible uh, for care within the VA uh, by providers who are familiar with your health care issues. So once again, many of our veterans end up seeking care in the civilian sector, and many of these providers are unaware of their patient's service or service-connected health issues. And these can be physical or psychological health issues. 
So this is where I think we lose our veterans. Oftentimes they slip through the cracks during that transition period because from the time they leave to the time they potentially can get hooked up with VA services, it can be anywhere from a couple months to a year or more. So I really believe that mitigating that gap in transition between the support and services provided in the military to connecting to that support and services either in the VA or the civilian sector is really critically important to decreasing the rates of homelessness, unemployment, and suicide during this critical time frame. And this is where I think as healthcare providers, we fill that gap. In particular, nurses and advanced practice nurses, we are really the ones on the front line able to mitigate those risks during and after trans uh, transition. And thank you for raising that point, and Alicia, because that transition period is usually goes unnoticed. But you touched briefly on what healthcare providers should be doing. Um, do you think we're equipped to do this job? And is there more that we should be doing in the scope that we're practicing? The research clearly demonstrates that providers do not feel that they adequately understand the issues or the resources or their screening. And in particular, that this has not been included in their education program. There is no doubt that that does not, unless you've done your residency perhaps out of the VA or other components. But no, um, as we've heard, it is not just the immediate transition, but their latent effects that may not manifest itself to later on over time. So I talked about Agent Orange, or we can talk about the Blue Waters legislation now where many of the equipment was decontaminated on ships and those sailors were exposed, or even more recently now are pea floors or are the, the burn pits. So I, we could go on and on and these are gonna be more latent but also there are many veterans who will not have a service-connected disability. So not everything is a service-connected disability. Not everything will be known immediately upon leaving the service, but also is as care is moving into the civilian sector or by civilians contracted to the VA, is you have to know more than just the basic mission train training is called, or how to bill, or what to do. The face of the veteran and where veteran care is being given and what those health needs are is changing. And we need to be better equipped to be able to say how to address them, how to screen, how to know what the resources are, and then how to be diligent, or I call it persevere. What we've raised is some critical questions, but one of the, the highlights of this is that we now have a tool to not only ask some of the questions that needs to be asked, but provide some of the answers. One of my questions for you is that, how can we get a copy of your book? Where should we go to to get a copy of your book? Actually, um, Jones and Bartlett is the publisher, so it's definitely available on their website. I know Amazon.com, there's a whole host of, host of other bookstores that are carrying the book um, right now. Our goal is to get this book into the hands of every provider, um, primarily for just what we've talked about today. And really, it is going to take more than a book, I think. We really need to look at our nursing organizations to really come up with veteran-focused competencies for all healthcare providers to utilize, as well as 
um, expanding educational opportunities, looking at licensure, certification requirements. The book's the first step, but there's so much more that we need to be doing. A first step, but a critically important first step. And in your roles as family members of military members, educators and providers, I just want to say a huge thank you to you both for being on the show today. Amnesia, thank you for your service to our country. And to both of you, thank you for your contribution to making this happen. Tamara, I would like to acknowledge and thank individuals who have supported us along the way. Uh, one is the VA Nursing Academy, and that is out of the central office with the whole Vanna and Vanna partnership. HRSA for the funding for our Veteran to Bachelor of Science program, the VCARE program. To the Chris Sullivan Foundation, who subsidized much of the research you'll see about the PTSD and the use of accelerated resolution therapy that not only Alicia um, has conducted within her work, but my, uh, myself with Kevin Kipp with homeless veterans, but also the Jonas Foundation, who invested not only in scholars, but policy scholars, because it's not just the student who is a veteran, but it's going to be the student who will be serving in the civilian areas in which they will be caring for veterans and their families. And so through these groups, as well as the American Academy of Nursing, we owe a great deal of thanks. I'd also like to uh, echo Rita's sentiments and wholeheartedly agree and thank everyone for their support. And the other shout out I wanna give is to the 52 authors that dedicated their time, energy and expertise to the development of this book, because without our authors, this book would not exist. A team effort, you know, undoubtedly with huge support. But above all, this book is going to be a great resource to help healthcare providers learn how to better take care of our veterans and those in military service. And again, a huge thank you to you both. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of On the Pulse. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone you know and subscribe through Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. You can also find us on the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com slash nurse. Be sure to also check out our On The Pulse blog and Facebook Live series. You can learn more about the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing at nursing.jhu.edu. Thank you again for listening.